This production is sponsored by the Revival League and the Dino Hotel, Pride of Lakewood, Colorado. believed in the first third of the 20th century that this world was being watched keenly and closely by intelligences greater than man's and yet as mortal as his own that as men busied themselves about their various concerns they were scrutinized and studied perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water with infinite complacency Men went to and fro over this globe about their little affairs, serene in their assurance of their empire over matter. Yet across the gulf of space, minds that are to our minds as ours are to those of the beasts that perish, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. It sucked. tuned into the Ford Tuesday Evening Hour, brought to you from the Roof Lizard Lounge, high atop New York's luxurious Les Hotel du Dinosaur. The Ford Tuesday Evening Radio Hour, proudly presented by the Ford Motor Company. Ford, again, sorry about all the anti-Semitism. The date is October 31st, 1939, and the time is currently 9 p.m. And now the Independence Broadcasting System is proud to bring you the next installment of our weekly comedy radio play, Clobber McGee and Irish Dave. When last we left Clobber McGee and Irish Dave, they were about to crash a society ball. Well, Irish Dave, we're in a fine pickle this time. What shall we do? Sure, and don't ask me, Clobber. After all, I'm just an Irishman, eugenically inferior to the Nordic races. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of oblivious ethnic condescension to bring you a special Independence Broadcasting System Bulletin. I'm Gilda Collins. And I'm Wash Perry. At 20 minutes to 9 Eastern Time, Dr. Clayton Forrester of the Observatory at Princeton University observed several explosions of incandescent gas upon the surface of Mars. The gas is thought to be heading towards Earth at terrific speeds. We take you now to the observatory at Princeton, where our commentator, William Heinemann, will be speaking to Dr. Forrester. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm at the Princeton Observatory speaking with Dr. Clayton Forrester. All around me is the immense black dome of the observatory, surmounted by the Brobdignagian telescope, which Dr. Forrester employs to pierce the heavens. Dr. Forrester, may I interrupt you with some questions? By all means. 
Dr. Forrester, would you please tell the audience at home exactly what you see when observing the planet Mars through your telescope? It's red. Well, how do you account for these eruptions on the surface? The latest reports say they've occurred at predictable intervals, and now some sort of matter seems to be rushing towards our own planet. I cannot account for that, Mr. Heinemann. Well, does it pose a danger to Earth? I should find that highly doubtful. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. No reason to fear. Perhaps our telescopes just observed some Martian Lindbergh beginning his own journey across the Atlantic of space. If so, let's wish him the fortune of our own lucky Lindy. Well, minus the kidnapping at any rate. We now return to our main Independence Broadcasting System studios in Manhattan. Thank you, William Heinemann. We now pause for a word from our sponsor. Hello there. My name is Dr. Harold Wells, and I'm here to talk to you about a breakthrough in medicinal science. When a patient comes to me with issues of stress and anxiety, I tell them to grab a pack of Ogilvy's cigarettes. The smooth taste just melts away your troubles and worries. Ogilvy's is who I prefer, and my patients see lasting results in their daily lives. Remember, that's Ogilvy's cigarettes. Ogilvy's. They make life easy. Have you or a loved one been killed in a factory fire or dismembered as part of an industrial accident? Well, too bad, because there are no worker protections. But if someday there are, call the law firm of Powell, Spielberg, Wells, and Wells. We'll not only show up for you in court, but we'll also use our legal knowledge to get you the maximum payout for your loss. Five, ten, even twenty dollars for your claim. Hey, that's a lot of money back now. But we don't get paid unless you get paid. Or your closest living relative. We're not picky. So wait for telephones to become ubiquitous and call us at 555-4LAW. That's 555-4LAW. Operators are standing by. I mean, they work for the phone company. What else are they going to do? Ladies and gentlemen, we're breaking into the regular programming again to bring you this bulletin from Walking Mill, New Jersey. It's being reported that an object... Early reports say a meteor fell from the sky and crashed into the field on the outskirts of town. The flash in the sky was visible for several hundred miles, and the impact was audible as far away as Elizabeth. I'm being told that we've dispatched a mobile unit to Walking Mill. We'll bring you their report as soon as possible. In the meantime, we're going to rejoin William Heinemann at the Princeton Observatory. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm still here with Dr. Clayton Forrester of the Observatory. For those of you just joining us, Dr. Forrester observed what appeared to be a series of regularly timed eruptions on the surface of the Red Planet. Dr. Forrester, could this meteorite impact be related to the activity you've observed on Mars? Oh, I doubt it. It's probably just a coincidence. A uh, coincidence? Sure, just because a series of eruptions on Mars propelled something at incredible speed directly toward Earth, and then something slammed into a New Jersey field. There's no reason to assume the two things are related. Uh, are you serious? Look, space is really pretty small and crowded. You're bound to get coincidences like this from time to time. So it couldn't be, for instance, the first phalanx of terrible death machines sent to Earth to exterminate mankind? <laughs> I'm afraid not. Every serious scientist knows that any alien death machines are much more likely to come from Venus. 
Venus? Oh, yes. And there's absolutely no life on Mars. But the Venusians, now, they're the real threat. Let me tell you something. Clay, Clay, what are you doing in there? Clay, One moment, the ladies and gentlemen. Another scientist has just, walked you know in. He and Dr. Forrester appear to be having a heated conversation. I can't be certain what the issue is, but they both seem upset. Get back to work. Sorry about that. And may I ask your name, sir? I'm Professor Pierce, and I run this observatory. I see. Well, I was just speaking to Dr. Forrester. Clay's the janitor. He's not supposed to be in here. Now, if you'll excuse me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a total goddamn waste of time. I now return to our studio in New York. Goddamn son of a bitch. Thank you, William Heinemann. Ladies and gentlemen, I've received word that our mobile crew has arrived at the scene of the meteor impact at a farm in Walking Mill, New Jersey. We take you now to on-scene reporter Carl Phillips. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Carl Phillips. I I've just arrived at the scene and I haven't really had time to look around yet. Is, is, is that yet? Yes, it looks like it must be the impact crater ahead of me. Uh, the object the object must have struck with unbelievable force. The, the ground for 100 yards or so is covered in the splintered fragments of trees that struck on its way down. Uh, I'm getting closer now, ladies and gentlemen. I, I can see something half, half buried in the crater there. It's... My... my God! What is it, Carl? What do you see? It's an enormous dildo! Excuse us. We now take you live to a more appropriate on-scene reporter. Hello. Hello, Gilda. Wash, can you hear me? Gilda, yes, we can hear you. Ladies and gentlemen, now live on the scene. Our correspondent, Hildy Blaine, girl reporter. Just reporter? Jesus. Hildy, I know our listeners at home are only disappointed that they can't see your dynamite smile. Jesus Christ! But can you describe what you're seeing? Well, I'm hearing an asshole. Hildy? Fine, fine, yes. I'm here with Professor Harold Tyson of the Princeton Astronomy Department. We're as near the lip of the crater as we've been allowed to get. There's an object half buried in the Earth. It doesn't look like a meteor to me. It's long, cylindrical, it's enormous. It's Professor, what would you say the diameter is? What? What would you say the diameter of the cylinder is? I'd say about 30 yards across. It's impossible to know for sure how long it is. It's partially buried in the earth. But what we can see of it suggests it's enormously long, perhaps 200 feet. The color is a sort of yellowish white. It seems to be giving off a mild glow, perhaps still hot from the friction of our atmosphere. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish I could adequately describe the scene here. There are hundreds of cars parked at the back of a field. An enormous crowd has gathered to look at the object. Police are trying to restrain the crowd from getting closer, but are having a hard time. We are going to try to draw a little closer ourselves. Wait, do you hear that? Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if your radio sets are picking this up, but a curious humming sound seems to be coming from inside the object. We're no more than a dozen feet away now. Professor? Yes? Do you have any explanation for those scraping noises coming from within the cylinder? Well, none that end well for us, frankly. I'm sorry, can you- Fuck this action. It seems the professor had a prior engagement, ladies and gentlemen. I'll try my best to describe- the... <laughs> Oh, 
Ladies and gentlemen, something seems to be happening. I'm going to try that. Ladies and gentlemen, the top of the cylinder is rotating like a screw. Something inside is opening it. The top is off. It's fallen to the ground. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. I'm not at a vantage point where I can see down into the cylinder, but it... My God. Ladies and gentlemen, someone or something is crawling out of the cylinder. I'm just seeing a suggestion of movement right now. Let me see if I can get a better view. <sighs> Dear God. Something like a gray snake is wriggling over the lip of the cylinder. It looks like a tentacle to me. It's... I, I can see the body now. It's the size of a bear. Its skin has a sort of sheen to it, like wet leather. It's... Dear God, I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's worse than staring into the face of an Irishman. The eyes are completely black. The mouth is in a V-shaped lipless. It, it seems to be pulsating. The thing seems to be having difficulty moving. Perhaps our gravity is too strong for it. The crowd is moving back now, and that seems like a good idea to me. I'm going to take a break now to vomit and run away a little. I'll be back in a moment. Hildy, we need for you to- Jump up my butt, Wash! I said I'll be back in a minute! Well, perhaps it's as good a time as any to bring you these messages from our sponsors. Are you someone who has problems with dry skin? Do you have trouble finding a delicious dessert topping? Well, look no further than Mrs. Hennigan's own unguent. This creamy tincture will give your skin a refreshed feeling and will give any dessert new life. Made with products that only God created. Remember, grab Mrs. Hennigan's and you will not be disappointed. The Japanese aren't a threat to the American entertainment industry yet. So here's the new JC Roebuck invention, the game of majig It hooks right up to your radio and lets your family enjoy the thrill of over two games. Be the first person to hear the sound in Sound Hearers. I heard it. Come on, Mom. I'm malnourished. I don't hear so good. Better luck next time, Jimmy. So for good old-fashioned family fun, look for game of majig anywhere iron lungs are sold. I heard it again. Mom! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I've just been informed that Hildy Blaine is back on the line with us. Hildy? Yes, Gilda, I'm here. Have you found a safe location? I'm behind a low stone wall at the rear of the field. We're on a bit of a hill back here, so I'm looking down onto the scene. The creature, whatever it is, appears to have retreated into the cylinder. More state police have arrived, and they're setting up a perimeter. Wait, a, a police car is pulling up. Someone's getting out of it. It appears to be Professor Tyson. He's none too happy to be there, it would seem. A burly policeman is shoving him forward. I don't mind telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the dark patch on Professor Tyson's trousers is clearly visible, even at this distance. Wait. Professor Tyson and five policemen are approaching the cylinder. Professor Tyson is waving something in his hand. It's, it, it's a white handkerchief? 
A flag of truce? They are Neville Chamberlaining the shit out of this thing! Wait, something's happening. Something's rising out of the cylinder. It's domed, metallic. My god, ladies and gentlemen, it's some sort of vehicle. There's a metal dome surmounting three stilt-like legs. Dear heaven, the thing is climbing out of the crater! It must be 90 feet tall! It's, it's aiming some sort of mirror dish at Professor Tyson and the advancing police officers. Perhaps a communication device of some sort. and gentlemen, we seem to be having a problem with our field transmission from Walking Mill. There seems to be some issue with the equipment. We'll return as soon as we can. In the meantime, we have a late bulletin from San Diego. Noted creationist Chick Jackson, speaking at a dinner for the John Thomas Scopes Pro-Defamation Society, has said that the anomalies observed today on Mars are most likely God crying at the concept of homosexuality and nothing to worry about, unless you are a homosexual. The president, meanwhile, has released a statement calling the explosion on Mars, quote, probably immigrants, build that wall, exclamation point, end quote. That, that makes no sense. Did he actually say exclamation point? Yes, he actually did. Wow. Wow. Don't blame me, I voted for Elf Landon. Somebody had to. Wait, I've just been handing a message that came from Walking Mill by telephone. Authorities confirm that at least 40 people, including eight police officers, are dead. Their bodies have been, quote, burned beyond all recognition, light and crispy, until the meat is really tender and just falling off the bone. Uh, excuse me, Gilda. I've just been told that we need to go live to Walking Mill. Ladies and gentlemen, the next voice you hear will be Brigadier General Smedley Arbogast, commander of the New Jersey State Militia. Uh, the official one, not the crazy separatist one. Going live to Walking Mill now. As possible. Again, the governor has ordered that Mercer and Middlesex counties be placed under martial law. No one will be allowed to enter the area without a special pass issued by state or military authorities. The state militia will be evacuating civilians from the area as soon as possible. Thank you. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure why a quarantine is necessary to keep people from going to New Jersey, uh, but that seems to be the plan at the moment. In the meantime, we take you to... Ladies and gentlemen, we seem to have located a survivor of the Walking Mill Massacre. Professor Pearson, who you'll recall we spoke with earlier at the observatory, apparently drove to Walking Mill afterward to inspect the cylinder and was caught up in the commotion. Professor, are you there? 
Yes, I'm calling from a farmhouse about a mile from the carnage. There are a few other survivors with me. For a while, there was an insane curate with us, but he was very loud, so we fed him to the Martians. How did you escape the conflagration, Professor? I hid in a truckload of asbestos flooring. I'll tell you, that stuff is a lifesaver. Thank God for asbestos. <coughs> yes, surely one of man's most blessed discoveries. But, Professor, you told our producer you could give us some information on the Martian weapon? Well, it's obvious that these creatures possess scientific knowledge far beyond our own, so this is mere conjecture. But as to their weapon, for want of a better term, I should call it a heat ray. It's a ray that sets things on fire. Yes. And you're conjecturing that it's a heat ray. Yes, that's right. It sets things on fire. Yes. It It sets sets things things on on fire. fire! Of course it's a freaking heat ray! Is that seriously all you called to tell us? Well... Our best reporter was freaking vaporized. We know it's a goddamn heat ray. You are the literal worst. I can't believe Hildy Blaine is taking the dirt nap and you're still kicking. Wait, I think I hear the Martian tripod approaching. Good. Unbelievable. Uh, hold it, Gilda. We're getting word. Oh my god. We're getting word that cylinders have landed in or near other cities across the country. I'm receiving a list now. Dear god. Chicago, Illinois, Dallas, Texas, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Los Angeles, California, Washington, D.C., and for some reason, the town of Dick Shooter, Idaho. We're receiving reports that at least some of these cylinders have opened and disgorged their horrible occupants. Ladies and gentlemen, we regret to inform you that no other conclusion is now reasonable or even possible. The Earth is being attacked by an invasion force from the planet Mars. I repeat, the Earth is being attacked by an invasion force from the planet Mars. We're now receiving word that the French have already surrendered and the Canadians are apologizing profusely. Excuse me, Wash. We're getting word from sources that two entire brigades of the New Jersey State Militia, about 5,000 men, have amassed at Walking Mill to defend the town against the alien threat. We take you now to Captain Lansing of the Signal Corps on the ground in Walking Mill. There is no cause for alarm. We have eight battalions preparing to advance against the tripod. It seems to have retired back to the general vicinity of the cylinder, so we'll be able to make one quick push and end this once and for all. Wait, what's that movement? My god, it's rising up out of the cylinder! Ladies and gentlemen, we have grave news. It seems two entire brigades of militia, 5,000 trained soldiers, engaged the Martian war machine and were defeated utterly. The reports confirm only about 100 survivors. The governor has asked the president to declare a state of national emergency and send in the regular army, but it's unclear if that will do any good. We can only pray, my friends. With that in mind, Here are some ads. I'm Earl Pendragon, and I'll paint any horseless carriage for 49 cents. 
That's right. Give your old Jitney new life with one of our amazing paint jobs with twice the lead of our nearest competitor. Worried about quality? We only employ children, and they know they'll get the whip if our customers complain. So come on down and see the Pendragon difference. This month only, receive 15 cents worth of metalwork for free. Show your car's most likely hand-hewn out of wood or something. But if you want us to make you some horseshoes, just ask. 49 cent paint jobs this week at Pendragon's. Right. Huh, I'm Samuel Goldsmith, and I'm inviting you and your family to see my new Broadway production, Burr. That's right, our third vice president gives that Puerto Rican upstart his comeuppance three times a night, twice on Sundays. Two for Tuesdays mean that you can take your honey and save a little money. So if you're tired of waiting on tickets for that other show that probably won't be written for another 70 or 80 years, I encourage you to give Burr a try. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We take you now to Carl Phillips, who tells us that another Martian tripod has emerged from the cylinder and is headed east. Carl? Uh, yes, uh, Carl Phillips here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, since the second tripod emerged from the space dildo, like some hideous sperm spurting forth from a gigantic- For God's sakes, Carl, stop, I don't know, embellishing. This is why we usually only let you do weather. Uh, fine. Uh, that big-ass metal monster is now walking toward the sea. Does it seem to have any sort of purpose or specific destination? What am I, its biographer? Uh, wait, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the tripod is nearing the harbor. It's, it's using its weapon on the docks. It's firing, firing the boats. It's as if it's attempting to cut off any escape routes. Ladies and gentlemen, words can hardly describe the scene before me. These once proud ships, their long, thick, turgid masts now toppling as the fire engulfs them. Their firm, rounded hulls collapsing in a desperate climax of flame. They're throbbing testicles. What? Uh, nothing, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, the entire harbor is aflame. Uh, where the Martian ray touches steel or wood and erupts in a geyser of flame. Where it touches flesh, that poor devil is vaporized like so much smoke on the breeze. But wait, what's this? Ladies and gentlemen, out in the sea, there's a mighty ship on the horizon. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's the USS Thunderchild, the pride of the US Navy. We all remember the great deeds accomplished by her crew at the Battle of Scapa Flow. And now this proud ship, the mightiest in our Navy, is about to do battle with the alien war machine. The Thunderchild glides sleekly over the glassy water. It's approaching the tripod. Perhaps the alien invaders have finally met their match. Ooh, wait, the, the crew of the Thunderchild appears to have gotten a good look at the tripod. The, the ship is stopping. Uh, I didn't realize ships could stop that fast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I can now just barely make out a sailor standing on the bow. Um, he, he's waving some semaphore flags at the shore. Hold on, uh, F-U-C-K-T-H-I-S. I, I'm not sure if there's more, what, uh, now it's, it's turning around. The, the Thunderchild, the savior of Scapa Flow, is, is running away! It's tucked tail and run! And ladies and gentlemen, this is a real cock punch! Uh, back to you, Gilda and Wash!
Thank you, Carl. We're now getting reports that the Martian machines have reached downtown Los Angeles. We're going to try to reach Floyd Gibbons, our Los Angeles correspondent, to find out if he can confirm these reports. Hello? Your person-to-person call is connected, sir. Sending the other party through now. Hello? Floyd Gibbons, ladies and gentlemen. Floyd, this is Wash Perry. I'm here in New York with Gilda Collins. You are aware that it is my day off. Day off? Good God, man, there's a Martian invasion going on. Is there? Well, that throws a spanner into the old weekend planes. How can you not know about this? We're getting reports that they're in downtown Los Angeles. Well, I haven't been outside today. Haven't been outside? Well, I just discovered this new program, Fibber McGee and Molly. Have you heard of it? Everyone's heard of Fibber McGee and Molly, for God's sake. It's been on for years. Well, excuse me for being late to the party. At any rate, I just discovered it, and I've been binge listening, so I haven't really been paying attention to the news. Oh, for the love of... Look, Floyd, we need you to confirm for us if the Martian tripods really have reached Los Angeles. Fine, I'll see what I can do, but I am not putting on pants for this. I'll just stick my head out the window here. Oh yeah, yeah, whole street's on fire. Dozens of bodies. Yep, probably we're all gonna die. Floyd, that's terrible news. What are you going to do? Probably go back to listening to Fibber McGee and Molly. Are you shitting me? Look, if it's the end of humanity, I don't have a lot of time to get through the rest of the series, do I? Time to Philco Radio and chill with some FM and M dogs. Floyd, you should really seek shelter. Bye. Son of a bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed a note. We're now going to take you live to Washington, D.C., where the Secretary of the Interior is preparing to make a statement on the invasion. Really? The Secretary of the Interior? Martians are literally taking over the world, and the most important guy that they can get out of bed is the Secretary of the Interior? It's disappointing, yes. But at any rate, ladies and gentlemen, we take you now to Washington. It burns! It burns! Why is my skeleton all the way over there? Oh my god, they're aiming for the Canadians! Um, well, we just told our listeners they'd be hearing the Secretary of the Interior. Well, I, I imagine he was one of the people screaming just now. Ladies and gentlemen, we have word coming in that the Martian invaders in New Jersey are now heading unopposed towards Pennsylvania. My producer tells me that on the telephone, we have an eyewitness who can describe their movements. Sir, sir, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Wait, Professor Pearson? Yes, it's me. Oh, for the love of God. We thought the Martians attacked the farmhouse you were hiding in. Yes, yes, they did, slaughtering everyone inside. Well, obviously not everyone. Well, yes, I managed to survive the onslaught by tossing an old man at them. My God. It was another insane curate. No great loss. Then I hollowed out a cow and, disguising myself in its carcass, stole away undetected. At any rate, the Martians are presently... Wait, 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 wait. Back up. You hollowed out a cow? Yes, Martians pay no mind to cows. It was the perfect disguise. Now... The Martian invaders' present location... How the hell did you hollow out a cow? You can't just say that and move on like it's nothing. It's amazing what the human body is capable of when survival is on the line. 
Let's just say you approach from the rear and get a running start. Now, please, this is important. The Martians are currently... You are the most revolting human being I've ever spoken to. Why? Why? Just why, that's all. Why are you a thing in this world? Dear Jesus. Oh my God, I think they found me and I've discarded my cow carcass. Luckily, I spy some heifers grazing nearby. I think we better move on with this. Goodbye, my friends. Wish me luck. We absolutely do not wish you luck. Gently, gently. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Professor Pearson of the Princeton Observatory again. I know you'll all join us in praying that he does not survive. I know that humanity is on the brink of total annihilation at the hands of a malignant alien race, but that conversation was somehow the most horrifying thing that's happened all evening. And now, ladies and gentlemen, some words from our advertisers. Is your little angel keeping you up at night or away from all the things you love? Have you been alienated from your friends? Is your hubby giving his secretary those lonesome eyes? Well, worry no more. Introducing HG Baby Whiskey. Now you can enjoy all of life's pleasures while your delicate little flower sleeps the night away. That's right, baby whiskey. Now your little one can have the bold taste of Tennessee. Take him to dreamland. Your baby will love it. It's also safe for the elderly. No more embarrassing moments at the dinner table, involving conversations about every race and creed Grandpa hates. Just slip two shots into dear old Grandpa's prune juice, and H.G. Whiskey will give him that good old Tennessee knockout. H.G. Baby Whiskey. Nine out of ten babies would prefer it, if they were conscious enough to tell you so. Good news for people with credit problems. The economy just collapsed, and no one has any credit. But that shouldn't stop you from coming by Morton Furniture. We've got New England's best selection on couches, love seats, duvets, sofas, devons, chesterfields, daybeds, settees, studio chairs, and davenports. We also have the largest selection of lounges, ottomans, and chases in all 47 states. That's right. Screw you, New Hampshire. Listen, seriously. If you can't get credit in my store, you can't get credit anywhere. Seriously, you can't get credit anywhere. Bring cash. My name is Mark, and you can count on it. Hello, gentle listener. I'm Baxter Butterworth, and I'm here to tell you about the Baxter Butterworth Diet Plan. As an up-and-coming, non-socialist American, you have a duty to keep yourself fit and trim for Uncle Sam. How's the best way to go about that? The Baxter Butterworth Diet. Does your current diet consist of nothing but fatty foods, red meat, eggs, and butter? That's good, because that is the core of the Butterworth Diet. Ate an entire birthday cake for lunch? Sounds great. For more information about this amazing diet plan, send 14 pennies taped to the back of a street urchin to 1472 Westwood Way, New York, New York, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We've just received word that the 28th Field Artillery Regiment has engaged the Martian tripods outside of Washington, D.C. We've run special wires to the military line so we can give you direct reports from the zone of the advancing enemy. Let's patch in now to the 28th's radio line. Shift out 31 meters. Shift out 31 meters. Fire! We got one, sir. The others are stopping to repair it. Fire again. Now, while they're bunched together. I can't see where the show landed, sir. What? The tripods. They're emitting some sort of black smoke. Very low to the ground. It's coming this way, sir. Moving fast. Fast, fast, fast. Fire again. I still can't see, sir. The smoke's too thick. Mask. <laughs> Ineffective. My eyes. <laughs> the tripods are approaching. We, we seem to have lost connection to the 28th, ladies and gentlemen. Let us take you now to the 32nd wing of the Army Air Force, which has dispatched a squadron of fighters to attack the enemy. This is Lieutenant Jeff Wayne. I've spotted the enemy war machines. I can see three of them. Black smoke all around them, clinging low to the ground. Commencing bombing run. 800 yards. 700. Six. I'm hit! I'm hit! I'm hit! I'm going down. Couldn't release the bombs. I'm going to try to bring the plane right on top of the tripods. Can't hold it. Oh my god! Does your cat just hate you? Is Mr. Whiskers giving you that adorable but homicidal stare? Maybe it's the pet food you're giving him. Natural pet food is what he wants. We don't mess around with things like lamb or chicken or beef. We know what cats want. Our cat food comes in feline-approved flavors, such as mangled budgie, headless rat, the rotting flesh of baby bunnies, and the incredible taste of real pigeon pieces. Yes, it's not what people eat that cats want. It's what they're dragging to your back door. Why else would they kill it and bring it to you? They want you to know they want natural pet food. And coming soon. Natural pet food for dogs. Soon your dog will get to enjoy the taste of his own excrement out of a can. There's also Mailman's leg, the chewed remains of a squirrel, and of course, his own regurgitation. Each can is another trip to paradise for man's best friend. Natural pet food. It sounds horrifying, but it's what your pets want. Tired of not being a ginger? Of course we all are. That's why you should try Henna Helper, from the makers of Blonde Be Gone. Our patented red all over system will have you being accused of being a witch in no time. But don't take my word for it. Ask any of our hundreds of clients that have been accidentally burned at the stake by loved ones. They'll tell you about the Henna Helper difference. So if you've got nothing else to live for and want to be a copper top, stop by your local chemist's office and pick it up. It's Henna Helper.
Hello again, my friends. It's Reverend Jerry Thomas, and I'm here with another message of salvation. Do your children spend hours with that corded contraption called the yo-yo? If so, then confiscate that device. While children should be serving the hearth and home, they spend hours playing with these toys that put their souls at risk. Remember, every time the yo-yo hits the floor, it's one step closer to Satan's door. You can read more about this in my book, Saving America Today, A Guide to Salvation for America's Youth. This has been Reverend Jerry Thomas. Also look for Reverend Jerry's Prayer Blister Cream. When you pray this hard, God notices. Forgive the commercial interruption, ladies and gentlemen. We had several reports coming in over the wire, and we needed a moment to make sense of them all. I'm afraid we don't have any good news for you listeners. Washington has fallen. Both the 28th Field Artillery Regiment and the 32nd Army Air Force Wing have been utterly wiped out. Early reports indicate no survivors. Meanwhile, we are receiving reports that the Martian tripods are now in Manhattan. Citizens are trying to flee, but the streets are impassable. We now go to our man on the street, Knox Manning, who is reporting live from Times Square. Knox? I'd just like to say for the record that I was safe inside the studio and Washington Gilda shoved me out here with a broomstick and slammed the door. To be fair, we only shoved you out of the sound booth. The security guard escorted you down to the lobby and ejected you from the building. What's it look like down there on the street, Knox? Utter panic in Times Square, Wash. Although strangely, the guy in the bootleg Elmo costume is still posing for photographs. People are thronging in the streets trying to get out of the city but the avenues are hopelessly jammed. I know it's hectic, Knox, but is there anyone there you can speak to? I think... Yes, yes, excuse me, sir. Yes? Could I speak with you for a moment, sir? Yes, right over here. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have with me a young artilleryman, one of the soldiers called into New York to repel the Martian advance. Uh, yes, sorry about that. Of course, of course, young man. There was nothing more our brave soldiers could have done. There probably was. Well, it... At any rate, as one of our fine fighting men, do you have any advice for resisting these creatures? Yes, don't. I'm sorry? It's obviously hopeless. We're completely outmatched. The Martians are going to eat us. That's inevitable. Our only hope is that they don't cook us alive like lobsters. You seem rather unperturbed by the whole thing. Well, Marcus Aurelius said, never let the future disturb you. You will meet it, if you have to, with the same weapons of reason which today you arm against the present. That's lovely. Unfortunately, it turns out reason doesn't work against the blazing bolts of all-consuming fire, so yeah, we're all gonna die. Um, thank you for your time, soldier. You're welcome. Well, farewell. I'm off to get eaten by our new Martian overlords. I do have some nice marbling, just in case of alien invasion. I pride myself on being the Wagyu beef of artillerymen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I've been speaking with... Wait, I see one, two, there are, there, there are five Martian war machines, five great tripods, each 90 or 100 feet tall, stalking through the glass and steel canyons of the city. They've deployed their heat rays, ladies and gentlemen. Tongues of flame leap from the tripods and sweep back and forth across the throng. Everything it touches, it vaporizes in a puff of ash. I'm running with the crowd now, ladies and gentlemen, trying to keep ahead of the alien menace. But this is just delaying the inevitable. 
I'm dead, ladies and gentlemen. All of us here on the ground are dead. But I'll keep talking as long as I'm able. Oh my god, the tripods are releasing some sort of black smoke. This would be the same black smoke that felled the military in Washington. Not really the time, Wash. The black smoke is drifting across the city. It, it's, it's like a velvet black wall, 20 feet high, sweeping across the city at terrific speed. The people... The people see it now. They're running, but it's no use. The black smoke is overtaking them. It's rolling up the street relentlessly. It's engulfing the Mercury Theater. My God, ladies and gentlemen, the people are dropping like rats. Everyone on the street, and I'll wager everyone in a building below the second floor is dying. The black smoke is sweeping towards my position now, ladies and gentlemen. There's nowhere to go. The smoke is crossing 6th Avenue, 5th Avenue. It's a hundred yards away. 50 feet, <laughs> 20. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what to say. I, I think we can only assume that everyone who was in the street when that hideous black smoke was released is dead. I'd like to give you some hope, ladies and gentlemen, but I have none to give. We will stay here and keep reporting. We'll be with you until the end. But we thought perhaps we should take a moment to reflect and pray. If you are with your family, now might be a good time to gather them together and bow your heads. We now bring you a moment of reflection. Uh, our, our apologies, ladies and gentlemen. It seems we had music cued for the program that normally fills this time slot, Speakeasy of Laughs with Radio's Frank. And now, an actual moment of reflection. Ladies and gentlemen, we have new reports coming in that may perhaps shed a ray of hope on this dire situation. It seems that, quite accidentally, an ad hoc resistance movement calling itself the Revival League has discovered some sort of weapon that is proving effective against the Martian invaders. We don't know what this weapon is as of yet. We only know that the alien's weakness was discovered in Walking Mill, New Jersey, the very scene where this horrible tragedy began. The news of this new weapon's effectiveness was quickly disseminated throughout the country, and we have wire reports coming in that indicate that the Martians are being swiftly and utterly destroyed in every city which they invaded. Except for Dick Shooter, Idaho. Apparently, we've decided to let them keep it. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got Floyd Gibbons, our Los Angeles correspondent, on the line again. 
We're going to take you to him now to see if he can tell us the situation there. Floyd, Floyd, are you there? Yes, damn it. Can you hurry it up? Fibber McGee was about to open the closet when you called. Now I won't know what happens. The same thing that happens literally every time Fibber McGee opens a closet. Damn it, Floyd, historic shit is going on. Get your head in the game. Fine. What do you want? Floyd, we're receiving word that the tide has turned in the battle against the Martians. Can you tell us about the scene there in Los Angeles? The tide has turned? Were we losing before or something? They destroyed Washington. They poisoned New York. Millions dead. How do you not know this? Uh, You're a reporter! It's my day off. Fine, Floyd, fine. Could you just tell us how things are going in Los Angeles? Whatever. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Much, much better now. Really? Because I thought I heard gunfire. It's a tough neighborhood. (sighs) Thank you, Floyd. Don't call again. I'm taking my phone off the hook until I get through the rest of this season. (laughs) Ha-ha! The closet! What an asshole. Excuse me, Wash, but we're getting late-breaking word here. Apparently, we have an eyewitness on the line who can give us some information about the weapon that finally defeated this alien menace. Hello, sir. Can you hear me? Hello, I can hear you. Son of a bitch! Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now to prove there is no loving God is Professor Pearson. Somehow not one of the millions slain in the Martian attack, despite both deserving it and being literally underfoot of the alien death machines all night. Good evening, my friends. What a night I have had. Don't care. After my last hair's breadth escape, I discarded my cow carcass and wandered alone across a blasted and ruined landscape. For a time, I passed myself off as an Irishman, knowing that the alien invaders have no use for the Irish. At one point, I came across a hedge, and underneath it I found all the U.S. Supreme Court justices dying of wounds inflicted by the Martians. All 32 of them. Boy, that Roosevelt sure knew how to pack a court. Symbolically, of course, their deaths represented a total breakdown in the rule of law and a chance to loot their corpses. For a time, I kept company with an insane curate, but he was very loud, so... So you fed him him to the Martians. Martians. We know. Get on with it. I walked on for hours, desperate to find another human survivor. At one point, I thought I'd finally found another living human being, but it turned out to be another curate, hiding under a pile of dead Supreme Court justices and other dead curates. This one actually seemed sane, but I hated to break the streak, so... We get it. Move on. All around me, choking the landscape, was some sort of alien red weed. Yes, we've heard reports of this alien vegetation. Any idea what it is? I'm assuming it's the Martian version of Purple Kush, but who knows? I'm not a plantologist. You mean a botanist. Hey, who's the scientist here? But I digress from my tale. Finally, exhausted, I came to the foot of a hill, beyond which I knew lay the town of Walking Mill. I was about to climb it, hoping against hope to see another human face. When, beyond the crest of the hill, I saw one of the invaders' blasted death machines. Don't care. Do you know about the weapon? I had almost given myself over to despair when I saw, above the tripod, birds, 
circling carrion birds. With a terrible shudder, the tripod fell. Giving a cry of exultation, I ran up the hill and looked down upon the carnage. For there, outside a soda shop, were the Martians. Dozens of them, some still at the helm of their tripods, all dead. I ran up to one of the motionless war machines. Out of the hood hung lank shreds of brown at which the hungry birds pecked and tore. Uh, excuse me, Professor. Is this actually going anywhere? I can actually feel myself aging listening to this. Yes, yes. The point is, the Martians, perhaps thirsting after their slaughter, had converged upon a specialty soda shop, and there they were slain by the one thing against which their systems were unprepared, pumpkin pie-flavored soda. Wait, what? Yes. They were slain after all man's devices had failed by the humblest thing that God, in his wisdom, has put upon the earth. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God didn't invent pumpkin pie-flavored soda. And seriously, soda, not bacteria. Bacteria? Come on, they're Martians. What earth bacteria could possibly have evolved to attack their systems? <laughs> bacteria, what a moron. But come on. Soda? Seriously? Have you ever had pumpkin pie-flavored soda? No. Well, if you had, you wouldn't be asking me that. Look, I've got to go. There's a shitload of dead Martians to dissect and only so many hours in the day. Later! Okay, then. Thank you, Professor. Should have died. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to close out our broadcast day. But first, a few thoughts. Oh, here we go. Before the cylinders fell, there was a general persuasion that, through all the deep of space, no life existed beyond the petty surface of our minute sphere. Now we see further. If the Martians can travel through the void, there is no reason to suppose that the thing is impossible for men. And when the slow cooling of the sun makes this earth uninhabitable, as at last it must do, it may be that the thread of life that has begun here will have streamed out and caught our sister planets within its toils. But that is a remote dream. It may be, on the other hand, that the destruction of the Martians is only a reprieve. To them, and not to us perhaps, is the future ordained. We hope you've enjoyed this production of War of the Worlds. This radio play was written and produced by Ryan Smith and Greg Talley, based upon the novel by H.G. Wells and the radio drama by Orson Welles. Dramatization directed by Ryan Smith. Vintage commercials written by Ron McAdams, Erica Rodriguez, and James Rowling. Starring Kate Page as Gilda Collins and Greg Talley as Wash Perry. Featuring Zach Thompson as Carl Phillips, Rebecca Heron as Hildy Blaine, Ron McAdams as Floyd Gibbons and Knox Manning. Ryan Smith as Professor Pearson. James Rowling as Dr. Clayton Forrester and Professor Harold Tyson. Additional vocal performances by Dina Dolphin and Eric Kosky. Commercials performed by Ron McAdams, Erica Rodriguez, and James Rowling. 
Radio Play Text Copyright 2017 by Ryan Smith and Greg Talley. Commercial Text Copyright 2017 by Ron McAdams, Erica Rodriguez, and James Rowling. Production Copyright 2017 by Jefferson Hospitality LLLP. Thank you for listening, and keep watching the skies. System is proud to bring you the next installment of our weekly comedy radio play, Clobber McGee and Irish Dave. When we last left Clobber McGee and Irish Dave, they were out stargazing in the Connecticut countryside. Well, Irish Dave, there sure are a lot of stars in the sky. Sure, Clobber. More stars than there are potatoes in me belly. It's a good thing all that business with the Martians is over. Aye, Clobber. All thanks to Ireland. Jiminy Cricket, how's that? We finding Irish gave them aliens a good Donnybrook with our shillelaghs, till their ugly Martian faces were as stove in as a pot of corned beef. But Dave, during the invasion, you just lay there under the table with a bottle of whiskey. You know what I call that? What? Cowardice? No. A Wednesday. Now you listen to me, Clobber. I ain't no coward. I'm as brave as any other Irishman. Why, if there were aliens here right now, I'd give them a left hook, and a right hook, and an uppercut, and they'd have to kiss me Blarney Stone. I'd show them what's far. Greetings, Earthmen. We are from Venus. And we claim your pathetic planet as part of the Venusian Empire. Eek! Clobber, hold me! Well, Irish Dave, you've landed us in another fine pickle this time. Can have an expedition at the dino hotel.